Hey there, beautiful souls. I'm Colleen Lockoff. And I'm Meredith Lockoff. And welcome to Spiritual Sisters with Sass, the podcast where two sisters with a passion for spirituality and a touch of sass come together to explore the exciting world of self-improvement. That's right, Colleen. We embarked on this incredible journey together, diving into different self-improvement techniques, yoga practices, and a whole array of life experiences. Yeah, and through it all, we've managed to create lives that are abundant, happy and constantly evolving. It's been a wild ride, hasn't it, Meredy? You bet, sis. We've got two very different perspectives on life, but that's what makes this podcast so special. I'm all about diving in head first into life's adventures and embracing every challenge with a bit of sass. Well, Colleen here, she's got her own unique approach. Yep, that's me. And I'm all about the yoga, mindfulness, and finding my zen. And together we make the perfect balance. So whether you're looking for some wisdom, a few laughs, or just some heartfelt stories, you're in the right place. We're here to share our personal experiences and insights with you, all while exploring the wild and diverse world of self-improvement. Grab your headphones and get ready for a fantastic journey with us. Spiritual Sisters with Sass is here to uplift, inspire, and keep it real. Thanks for tuning in, lovely listeners. Let's dive in spirit and sass. Here we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of spiritual sisters with sass today lynn was not able to make it so i am here with one of my best friends tanya say hi tanya hello Meredy. um so we are talking to tanya today because tanya has first of all covered almost 65 percent of my body in her art i am covered in tanya's tattoos um i in fact have for those watching on the side of my body it says eye candy and that was Tanya's business name. There was going to be ink added to it um, at one point, but we decided not to at some point. I don't remember because many, many times we decided on a tattoo and then we would come in to see each other and it would be like, no, we're not doing that. We're doing something completely different. Completely different. So um, today I wanted to come on here and have a conversation with Tanya. Um, as you guys can see, Tanya has ALS and I wanted to share and she wanted to share her story with you guys as to how ALS has affected her as a human, as an artist, um, as a mom in all the different ways. And one of the things I want to let you guys know is that sometimes you may find that there's a little delay in finding her words. Um, she has a little bit of brain fog um, due to not getting enough oxygen because of her disease. So. My first question, Tanya, is tell me about your ALS as you have learned to describe it. Thanks. The Yeah, it's a crazy, crazy, crazy condition. Um, so what, what the illness does to the body is it kind of attacks the motor neurons that go from the spinal column or the brainstem 
to the muscles and it uh, snips those motor neurons so that the brain can't communicate with the muscles any longer and, and therefore the muscles get paralyzed and immovable. And this happens to all of the voluntary muscles in the body, which um, most muscles are the, the, you know, your leg muscles for walking, your arm muscles for uh, reaching things and, and hugging, and even your, you know, your tongue is, is a um, voluntary muscle. So your speech is affected. Um, yeah. And, so and tell us how your um, ALS has progressed. How did yours start? How long ago were you diagnosed? Okay. So and how has it progressed? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question because ALS is very personal. So how it manifested for myself or how it's presenting is I have limb onset ALS, which started in my left leg and I got weakness in my left leg and balance issues, um, tripping, falling. Um, and I first noticed the symptoms seven years ago. Um, and as it became more and more apparent that there was something wrong, as in leading into things called muscle fasciculations, where, where the muscles just get that, um, that twitch, kind of like the twitch that you get in your eye sometimes, um, that was happening in my legs. And um, from there, also the muscle cramping, and um, it was... It, it was quite painful. So it moved from one leg into the other leg. Um, and once it became so bad that I couldn't ignore it any longer, I went to the doctor and it wasn't until um, 2019 that I got the diagnosis, which was a couple years after um, my symptoms began. Um, so I've had it now for about, about seven years and diagnosed for five. Um, so it's, uh, as we're sitting here at seven years, I'm paralyzed from the neck down with the ability to, um, uh, move a finger and a toe, which, um, uh, obviously that's not wonderful. Um, but I do still have my speech. And for the most part, I still have my breathing, which um, there are two kind of main things that go. And um, I feel very fortunate that it's one of the last things because in some people and how others pre um, present, sometimes that's the first thing that becomes recognizable is their speech slur and um, their diaphragm uh, which is a voluntary muscle stops working and you're not able to breathe properly without the use of um, say a BiPAP or uh, that other breathing machine thing. 
I don't even know what the other breathing machine is. Is it? It's not the CPAP. That one's for no. It's in, it's actually more invasive when they mm. hook you up to the machine. I think. Yeah. So it's been an interesting and challenging ride. Yeah. Slowly losing um, access to things that she had, and now as an artist, um, this has been a good progression for her along the way in the sense that she said my legs went first and I was able to keep using my hands. Mm -hmm. She tattooed until 2022. Um, when I was diagnosed um, in 2019, I immediately stopped tattooing. Um, and then a couple of years later, I did just a few, like a small handful of tattoos. Um, mostly on me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mostly on me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in all honesty, I was so angry when I got my diagnosis um, that I quit tattooing. And I, I kind of hunkered down in my emotions of anger and uh I had a lot of resentment about getting the you know getting ALS um when they when you're diagnosed with ALS uh they they don't tell you a lot of what to expect because it does manifest differently in everybody but what they do make sure that you are well aware of is that you have a life expectancy of two to five years um, and they tell you to get your affairs in order. So that definitely spurred a lot of anger um, and a lot of uh, kind, a lot of expecting the worst to come rapidly a lot more rapidly than it has um seven years is is longer than two years yes. and if you already know that you've had it for two years and they they give you that kind of prognosis you expect that um your life will be ending very quickly very quickly so i wasted a lot of time um, thanks to that prognosis, I wasted a lot of time um, in my in my own head, in my own anger, and um, and and that was hard. So tattooing. Um, was... Also, there's been a good thing that's come from. There's been one for sure good thing I'm going to say that's come from this is sure. the fact that Kenya found the love of her life after diagnosis. I did. Yeah, I found Kelly. He's he's amazing. He was a good friend um all the way through uh since since well before and he's just been by my side all of this time and he um yeah, he wakes me up every day with a smile and helps me you know, helps me enjoy this life and brings me so much humor and gratitude and yeah yeah it's it's kind of crazy and kind of funny that uh the 
you know, such beautiful things can come out of something pretty traumatic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And someone signing up, not knowing what he was getting into, but also knowing what he was getting into. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy right. fella. I so it. that's a pretty cool thing that came out of this. Um, now I want to talk a little bit about your approach to art. Once you started to feel the effects in say your hands and your arms, how did that change? And what things are you doing now that, because I actually saw recently, you just posted a picture of new art that you had created. Yeah. So even with a diagnosis and with no use of her arms, she's still creating art. Yes. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, even the art I dropped until, uh, gosh, until just a couple of years ago, I started um, doing some graphite drawings again and um, doing a little bit of oil painting again. And an incredible artist, you guys. Like, I can't even share enough. I'm going to take my jacket off here so that those who are watching can get just an idea of what my arm and my hand look like. This woman has a gift. And so when she did stop, I feel like there was a lot of just giving up anything that brought you joy at that point. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of self-flagellance, I guess. <laughs> I feel like that's a, a pretty, a pretty, um, I don't want to say standard, but, a. uh, I feel like I would probably be impacted in similar ways. I feel like I have a positive life and a positive mindset, but what a thing to be told. Yeah. And I, thank you. Um, I was typically of the mindset that we have um, all of this control over our bodies. And if we have, if we have uh, disease or illness, it, it's a manifestation of um, of our traumas um, or our way of life and um, and our habits and all of that and and I always tried really hard through my life to um, heal from any traumas that I had or um, you know treat my body the best way that I I could despite despite all of our, you know, everybody has their ups and downs. So I took it very personally against myself that I was the creator of this, uh, this condition. And it's not that I maybe don't still feel that way. It's just now I, um, I feel like everything can be a gift, even if it's something that, uh, is is hard to hard to deal with hard to live with yeah we've had many conversations about our purpose and our journeys on this planet um the difficulties obviously that come with that mm -hmm. and i feel like you and i have had a conversation about why you think that you were diagnosed with als and what your purpose with als was can you say that one more time? I can. I feel like we had conversations about why you were diagnosed with ALS, why you think your purpose, what the purpose of you having ALS was. Because in many of our conversations, we talked about like 
all things that happen in our lives have a purpose, whether they're good or bad. Mm -hmm. And um, those experiences in general are there for a reason. What did I say to that? I can't remember at this I can't remember either. I can't remember either. I feel like it was that you can still be you, that you can still do your art and that you, that regardless of the things you've done, I think that's part of it is regardless of the things you've done in your life, there's not, you have no control because when Tanya says she took care of her body, this lady literally didn't have a microwave in her house. Um, so no food was microwaved. She ate only whole foods. Um, nothing really processed i juiced a lot did the, you know did the did the yoga thing mm -hmm. meditated um we became a yoga teacher mm -hmm. practice a lot of yoga practice a lot of the limbs of yoga it wasn't just the asanas which is the actions she practiced a lot of the practices absolutely yeah and um you know and even even with that uh Sometimes it's funny, we get into those things because of issues that we have, traumatic issues that we have that yes. we're trying to heal and repair. So I was, I, I was doing my best to be a healthy human, healthy human being, do all of those right choices, but it didn't come without other, um, other not ailments, but um impacts uh Im impacts down not downfalls i don't want to say downfalls but um the <laughs> with everything being balanced in this world the balance to all of that was that i did suffer from alcohol addiction um and there was other things that i brought about in my life um I don't know how to I don't know Meredith how I'm trying to explain this again with the brain fog it's pissing me off <laughs> yeah I feel that I feel that because I even understand even when I'm trying to find a word sometimes I get frustrated so I understand that yeah. um I think in many of our conversations we have talked about um about how when our traumas surface how they start to show physically and mm -hmm. how when we initially i remember you had originally thought that you had been given a diagnosis of ms and you were excited about that diagnosis yeah well i was um i'm i like thinking i thought i i was absolutely convinced 100 percent that it was MS. And I thought, well, you know, it's something that could somewhat be manageable. Um, there's life choices that we can always make um, and certainly not downplaying MS as a condition or illness um, because sometimes we can do everything in our power to have a healthy lifestyle, a healthy mind, body, and spirit, and you'll still get, um, you'll still get this appearing in your body, in your life. Um, but you I, were grateful that it wasn't a death sentence is how you would put it to me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then it turned out to be ALS, 
and um, yeah, I was, I was definitely pissed off, but uh, despite that, after I kind of crawled out of my own cave of pity, um, I kind of just chose to be happy. We did for years, did lots of things. We started doing a lot more things suddenly. We spent mm -hmm. a lot of time, we traveled to, um, we went to Victoria and we spent a couple nights at the Empress Hotel, which was, was exciting. That was fun. We um, had my niece come and we, I, I remember just seeing that Tanya choosing joy literally was Tanya choosing joy because we started doing things again and those things were challenging for her. And yeah, at that point, one leg didn't work very well at all or didn't work at all while the other leg was starting to go you were still choosing that we were doing the things we were going to figure out how to do the things regardless of the outcome mm -hmm. and she started tattooing again she started doing art again she started living in her joy regardless of what anybody said or what any doctor's opinion was at yeah. that point yeah it would and absolutely and um, it, I'm, I'm really glad that I turned that around. I, it's, it is all a process though. So being patient with yourself and, um, if you need to be in a dark hole for, for a long time to mourn, uh, to mourn pieces of you, then that's, that's what you need to do. And no one can just tell you, come on live and enjoy your life while you have it which is what the doctors say to do and it's not that they're not right but um we all there's process different. we all process different absolutely and um there's no right or wrong way of going through this life um it's it's all just ebbs and flows isn't it it is it is and with your ALS so far, you've told me a lot of that is also on a daily at this point. Some days are great, some days are not, some days are okay. And then you'll have another fantastic day and then you'll have another shitty day and things just kind of ebb and flow. It's so true. And sometimes it's um, it's down to the hour. <laughs> sometimes it's a good hour and then it's a shit hour and, and sometimes you do get a little bit longer to enjoy uh, the absence of of feeling crappy. Yeah, and and sometimes you don't. Yeah, but this illness doesn't get any easier with time. Yeah, yeah, and we we do. We all know how um, how much we love our loved ones and how much we love being there for them and uh we always say you know um treasure everything as you have it for as long as you have it um but it's crazy that it's not really something that we all fully practice and i don't know i don't know why that is or how how that is but you yes. should do it it, and it, that's coming from you saying, even still, I would like to say that I do it, but it's not always an everyday practice. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, 
it's you're just not able to yeah you can do your best but yeah it's interesting it's an interesting thing this thing called life isn't it it is yeah so so um I had a question come when you were saying that and I've completely lost it. So hopefully it'll come back to me because it was a good one too. Um, but so let's keep moving on with some of these questions that I have for you. Um, uh, let's talk about, for example, having your children or having your child. How do you feel that um, it's impacted the people that are around you, the people um, that are the more important people to you, um, acquaintances. My question came back. Awesome. Okay. So here's my biggest question. One of the things that I noticed, because I remember at the same time as you were diagnosed, or well, at the same time that we thought that you were going to be diagnosed with MS and you were grateful for that. One of my friends was diagnosed with stomach cancer at the same time. And in my process of going through this, because it was the same month that you both were told this in my process, I just kind of got silent with it and was like, wow, holy crap. But what I watched in people around you both was them talking about how your diagnosis or your illness had an impact on them. I heard people say things like, well, I'm going to miss you so much, or it's going to affect me in these ways. And no one came to you and said, holy shit, how do you feel about what was just told to you? Did you notice that same thing? I did. It was, it was, it was really interesting. Um, we are all the center of our own universe, aren't we? Aren't we? And, <laughs> and it's, yeah, that, that was kind of interesting. I, I did notice that a lot. What I, what else was a interesting observation is seeing people show up that I never thought would, <clears throat> pardon me. And then having people who I thought would be by my side through this from start to end um, chose to back away and um, became so fearful. And um, uh, another crazy dynamic is that people you know, watching people mourn you before you're even gone, mm. just it, that added to the anger. Yeah. I had family members that, um, you know, they were, they were beside my, you know, by my side for a month or two and then completely ghosted. It was so bizarre, so bizarre. Uh, everybody has their own process. I, I try my best to remind myself not to judge and not take it personally and not take it personally. Cause it really it clearly has not about you. To do with yes. so, and that's the yeah. thing that I noticed about the diagnosis was that it really ended up not being about you at all is a lot of the people. And so I encourage you guys, if you're listening, think about it when someone says to you that they've received any kind of diagnosis and stop thinking about yourself for a minute and think about them. Think about how it's going to impact them instead of how it's going to impact you. Think about how their lives are going to change, not about how your life is going to change after they're gone, but how their life is going to change, how they're going to be impacted, how you can show up for them more 
how you can really try and put effort in and also being in that place of fearfulness because there's this place where Tanya and I have been very, very close for many, many years and knowing the hurt that's going to come because of the repercussions of this also affects both people. It makes it so that it's hard because then you want to be super close to this person, but also this person has their own stresses, their own things they need to deal with. You have your own stresses, your own things you need to deal with, but being considerate of the person that you're, that has the diagnosis and not making it all about yourself because it's been, it's been a challenge, but also been very eye-opening for me. And I have found in my side of these things where there's times I want to run away and there's times where all I want to do is hug her and be close to her. Mm -hmm. And we've had some very, very hard conversations about life, about death, about ALS. Um, We've had, I want to say I felt closer to you since you had this diagnosis in a lot of ways because of how much more open it made you. But I feel like a lot of those conversations scare a lot of people off because even me, who I find I'm very open to these conversations, those conversations were also scary for me. Sure. Yeah, you've been, you've completely, uh, you've completely stepped up and became even more snug into my inner circle (laughs) and and that's so appreciated and and it's it's really cool um to see somebody allow themselves be vulnerable to the prospect of loss um and to not be afraid to be close um in spite of that Mm -hmm. um so that's it's not something that everybody has the ability to do. Um, we need to protect ourselves or, you know, in however we feel that we need. And especially in the Western culture, we really protect ourselves from the concept of um, death and loss and mourning. Yes. Um, and it's easier much easier to focus on other things it is yeah it definitely is I also find that for me I would rather and I know we all have the same as what you had said just earlier in this interview where you said like as much as I want to try to embrace everything I have in front of me right now some days that's just not possible and for me even in this process there's a lot of like where their fear comes up and then I go, it doesn't even matter right now though, because what I can do is if there's that fear, I can deal with that fear at a later date. I can, I can, and we don't know, like I could be in a car accident tomorrow and I could die, right? Mm -hmm. I could pass before Tanya passes. There's so many things we just don't know in this life. And these things I feel like have just reminded me almost on a daily basis that like, yep, today might suck. Tomorrow might suck but there's going to be a good day somewhere. And even if there isn't, we don't know what we're going to have because the day could be over and it could be over period. So definitely looking at that and what, what would the person that you love need and want in these moments and try to respect those things and not make it all about you, but also trying to find your footing in that can also be challenging. And I feel like that's Mm -hmm. also one of the things that comes up as well, because not many people communicate quite the way that we do 
And so some of the family members that maybe have pulled themselves away are doing it because they don't want to swarm you or they don't want to do whatever they're doing. But what they don't realize is what you actually need because they're not having the conversations with you Mm -hmm. about what you need, about what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's just, uh, there's, there's a lot of us don't know even how to begin to communicate. Um, about easy stuff, let alone the hard stuff. Yes, you know, and yeah, it's it is a good reminder to um, be compassionate and empathetic on what other people are going through. And the same goes for me too, to be compassionate and empathetic for my friends and family who are deeply impacted and don't have um the emotional capacity yeah yeah to be able to deal with with it and goes along I mean goes along with everything within our day yes and how quickly a day can pass because that's also something that we've talked about for me I you know will have every intention of seeing her every week and all of these things and then all of a sudden I call her and I'm like hey it's been two weeks and then she's busy or she has too many things going on that day or that week and then we it's suddenly now been three weeks Mm -hmm. and so how quickly those things can all accumulate for all of us yeah absolutely yeah it's it's um it's hard it's a busy it's a busy lifestyle that everybody has and even if we're not busy we're um busy not wanting to be busy so we're we're I feel like when you're saying that one of the things you're trying to say here is we're trying to be not busy but be busy so that we're not inside our heads yeah absolutely that's an absolutely yeah that's a good one because for me getting inside my head and having too much quiet time I mean Tony Robbins thing is get inside your dead because you get too caught up in your own bullshit your own stories your own pity Um, not often do we get caught up in our own positivity, our own visionary, our own visualizations, our own goals. We are too busy focusing on the things that we, that our ego starts to go off about and talk about. Yeah. So one more question for you around that is, do you feel like you have gotten to better know your ego in this situation? And in ego, I mean that inner child that um, the one that has the loudest, most annoying voice that tells you to do all the wrong things. Wow. That's a good question. That's a really tough question. Um, uh, I, I actually am not really sure where I am in the process because it seems like sometimes I can wake up in the morning and I need to relearn the last 50 years of my life and everything that was in in my brain and all of the wisdom just kind of has floated away um and then I get another new day new opportunity to meet and meet this ego of mine and show up and how I'm going to show up is anybody's guess so I, I haven't, I haven't, uh, everything is so sporadic and so, um, there's so many multi 
personalities that not one thing is nailed down. And as soon as I think I've got it, it's like I said, the wake, day, wake, wake up, up the, the next God. It's like it's Groundhog Day all over again. Interesting. Okay. So another question that's come up for me is, do you find that you have become more spiritual because of these, because of this diagnosis, or do you feel like you have lost your spirituality in any way? And you can totally tell me that we don't need to get into this because this is a very personal question. That's a great question. Um, I waffle with spirituality. Um, and I think I've become much less spiritual um, and a lot more stoic um, in my in my beliefs and and how my mind wraps around things. Um, so, like the idea of of spirituality, I guess I guess knowing what the definition of that would be a good idea first before really answering the question. Cause I know that everybody has a little bit of a different definition for the word. Yeah. Um, but um, for me, what spirituality kind of means is um, not just our life and our, our soul and our consciousness while we're, here with our eyes blinking open, but what that has in the hereafter and beyond. Yes. Yes. Um, so in that context, I think that I still waffle with spirituality if I have spirituality at all, but more so, um, more so I find it beneficial to not even um, to not even set my mind into that ponderance because that's something that I'll either know or not know once it happens. Mm -hmm. And I feel that for a while I'm here on this planet um, with my blinking eyes, I can concentrate on being a good human being. Um, revere my life and revere the process of living and including the process of of passing as well and um you know it's definitely an honor an honor and a privilege to be here like I don't know how many um Deepak Chopra did a super cool video on what it actually takes for a human being to be here from how many eggs to how many sperm and being part of the cosmos and all of that, just the chance that we might be here. Um, and that's pretty, it's, it's pretty awe striking. And also in like in stoicism, um, the process even of, of death is, it's all part of your service to your life and to other people's life and yes. to this the the life of this planet so i have i don't really think too much about spirituality interesting mm -hmm. very I, interesting I, I find it's a little bit of a time wasted for me okay interesting i feel like 
that might be a good place to finish this. How do you feel? Is there anything else that you would like to add to this no, interview? No, I, I, this was wonderful. It was. Yeah. It was. I really appreciate you joining me. Thank you so much. And thank you for being vulnerable, sharing all of these hard conversations that a lot of people are not even open to having. Mm -hmm. um, so thank you, Tanya, for coming on this episode. And you guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, feel free to comment below if you guys have questions for Tanya. We can pass those test questions on to Tanya and get back to you. Um, also, spiritualsistersswithsass at gmail.com is where you can send some more um, of your questions. All right, guys. Thanks so much and have a great day. Much love. Thank you for joining us on this spirited journey today. We hope you enjoyed diving into the world of self-improvement with us. Two sisters who found their own unique paths. Remember, life is a tapestry of experiences and it's how we embrace them that makes all the difference. So whether you're on your yoga mat, exploring mindfulness or simply navigating life's twists and turns, always keep that spirit and sass alive. We are Kalin and Nerdy Lockoff, and we're here to remind you that happiness and abundance are within reach. Stay connected with us on social media and keep those questions and stories coming. We love hearing from you. Until next time, beautiful souls, keep doing the work, keep sharing your experiences, and keep living a life that's authentically you. And never forget to add a little extra sass to your day. Spirit and sass, always.